Well, I want to do uh, a couple of things this morning. Uh, in a moment, I'll pray. But the first one I want to do is wish you happy birthday. Anyone birthday today? No, that was a mistake already. Father's Day, isn't it? We're actually on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. We'll get that right. I knew it was a happy something. Happy Father's Day. Just be alert to the fact that every day is Father's Day. So uh, as you enjoy today, men, recognise that. It is tough for some men, as we've already said, but I hope you have a good one. And if it's not easy, and for those for whom it is easy, I want to give you a second thing. I want to actually do something else this morning. I want to give you a gift. I want to give dads a gift particularly, uh, and I want to give you a gift, dads, that will help you not be a modern dad. What's a modern dad? Have you been um, noticing the way dads and fathers are presented in uh, media in recent times? Have you noticed how, who are our most famous dads that you see uh, presented for us? Homer Simpson? The family guy, uh, married with children, do you know all these dads? What's the thing that is unifying all of these dads? What's the feature of dadhood that you see presented for us today? You see dads today as being presented as clueless, the dumbest member of the family, the one who is thoughtless and useless. Is that right? Now, at one level, most of us men don't care, right? I mean, we're okay, we can get on and be... And it actually, if that's what we want to be as dads, it's easy. That's easy. I can pull that off. Um, but I want to say to you this morning, don't be that dad. I want to bring you a gift this morning to encourage you not to be that dad. Uh, don't be your natural self. Your, your family needs you to be a different kind of dad. And I just thought, gee, the Derricks, it's just beautiful to hear dads with humility and awareness and just uh, concern to be just one. Be a different dad. Don't be what society tells you to be as a dad. Your family needs you to be different. You need to be more than that. And God wants you to be more than that. Being the dad that God wants you to be is a wonderful thing. Now, how do you do that? Well, that's the gift I want to give you this morning. I want us to take a deep drink again of wisdom. And I want to talk to dads particularly about how to be wise. Uh, and on that, uh, through that process, my hope is that you will act, uh, actually... Uh, find a way to be something different than the society says we ought to be. Now, it's going to be about wisdom, and before you kind of find yourself going, uh, giving that thanks, yeah, great, like you received the socks at Father's Day, and you go, thanks for the socks. It, it, I want you to say, I want you to say this wisdom issue that I want to take us through this morning is really big. It's a massive thing. Uh, stick with me. I mean, every week we look at the Bible, and what it has to say is profound. Today, particularly so, will be that for us. But along with that gift, so I want to give us wisdom. To, to be a different kind of dad. But along with that gift is another gift I want to give you. It's the gift of how to read the Bible. And I'm a little bit anxious about this one. Uh, what I want to do with you is look at a part of the Bible that teaches us about wisdom, the great wisdom that God has to give. But this morning we're going to do something quite different. I'm going to actually show you through modern technology how to see that for yourself from the Bible. I want to teach you how to read the Bible this morning so that we can gain wisdom from it. Uh, do, do you know, it's, uh, sometimes the Bible, you kind of look at it and men kind of go, eh, someone else can tell me. Look, I don't want to be just that bloke that tells you how to read the Bible or tells you what the Bible says. I want to show you how to read it. Do you know, uh, they've said of dads, uh, we said of dads some years ago that um, dads don't eat much fruit, oranges and apples and stuff. Do you know why? Do you know the reason why dads don't eat fruit? 
because they, they don't like having to cut the peel off the orange. But if someone does it for them, they'll eat it. There's a tip. Men, wow. Well, some of us struggle to read the Bible. Unless, well, my hope this morning is to kind of peel it for us and show us what it has to say. And I'm going to use a technology thing, which I'm a little bit nervous about. You might get that sense. I'm a bit anxious about whether this is going to work. Um, you see, it's the gift of showing you how to find wisdom from the Bible, not just giving you the wisdom. You've got that saying about um, fishing and men. Uh, if, if you give a fish to a bloke, you'll feed him for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, you'll feed him for life. Uh, well, that's the plan. I want to take you through wisdom but I want to show you how to get it from the Bible, how to read the Bible and see it. So let's jump in. I think Cliff's got the technology. And I'm going to, what I'm going to do, grab your Bibles. If you've got a Bible with you, open up to Job 28. But if not, we want to see if this is... There it is. It's going to work. I've got the text of Job 28 up here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through the text and show you how it works. So follow along on the screen. So the problem is it's poetry. And so poetry is not always easy to get. And I want to show you how to get it, to, to help you see the details of it. And my hope through that is that the richness of what it has to say will emerge. All right? So you ready for this journey? Let's see if it works. First, first couple of verses. There is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted with ore. Now just notice. Notice a couple of uh, things that are said here. Silver, gold... Iron, copper, from ore. Do you see the metals that are talked about there? But look what's said about them. There is a mine for silver, a place taken from the earth, smelted from the ore. The point he makes in these first couple of verses is a very simple one. It's simply the point that there are precious things that come from the earth. Silver, gold. Now, iron, you may not think is precious, but think back to the Iron Age. Think 3,000 years ago. To have iron is, is an extraordinary thing to have found. Right, there it is. There we go. First point. But you come to verse 3. What I want you to notice here is that the word darkness is mentioned a couple of times. Now, it's poetry. What does the word darkness refer to? Well, in poetry, in a poetic kind of thing, it refers to stuff below the ground. Darkness, where you can't, there's no light. And look what happens. Mortals, humans, put an end to the darkness. They search out in the farthest recesses and for ore from the blackest darkness. They're actually able to go under the ground into the deepest, darkest places. That's what mortals can do. Come with me to verse 4. He repeats these kind of ideas. Uh, it's far from human dwellings that they cut a shaft, in places untouched by human feet, far from other people they dangle and sway. What's the point being said in verse 4? That humans are able to find precious things. Do you remember? Silver, gold, ore, copper, iron. We're able to find precious things. We're able to find precious things in places that are a long way away, that are hard to get to tough to get to but we can pull it off why can we pull it off because humans are amazing you see that's what he goes on to say you come and look with me down here at verse 7 he mentions a number of creatures he mentions birds of prey the falcon proud beasts and you'll see he also talks about if i can get it up there 
the lion. Now, he mentions four creatures, but notice this. He doesn't mention uh, pigeons, bin chickens or bush turkeys. <laughs> right? He mentions the bird of prey, the falcon, the proud beast and the lion. Why? Because the point he's making is the greatest and best of the creatures don't know that hidden path, have not seen it, have not set foot on it, don't prowl there. The point being, there's no creature like us. We are the most amazing creatures on the planet. You come across to verses 9 to 11. He then pushes this further. Is this working for you? Yeah, this is peeling the orange, right? You, you see this? But then he, see, having said that there's no one like us, he then, then people, we assault the filthy flinty rock with our hands. We lay bare the roots of the mountains. We see all its treasures and we bring hidden things to light. We are astonishing. We search, we search for um, things that no one has seen, no other creature. We're able to go deep down with our hands and get to the very roots of the mountains. Astonishing. That's what we are. Let me pull it together just for a moment. I've got much more. Humans, we're amazing. That's what he says, this ancient writer. We are clever, ingenious, skilled. If we want something precious, we can find it. Even the hidden things in the deepest, darkest, in the furthest recesses of earth, we can go down and get them. This is a poem in praise of humanity. And it's using, it's using an image, the image of mining. Yeah, that's the way the poetry works, you see. And it's using mining for a couple of reasons. Because, first of all, mine, miners go for precious things. That's one of the key ideas here. Miners go for precious things. But the other reason it's using the thought of mining is because mining, take, mining takes great skill. Or at least 3,000 years ago, it was the greatest technology humanity had to mine and go down and do these things. It was impressive. Now, you translate it today. Um, humans, what are the evidences that we are quite astonishing creatures? Well, mining, now I've been mining, anyone can do mining. Engineers can do mining these days, right? It doesn't take much at all. But we can actually, we can go to the very roots of, of the structures of, of the way people are. We, we can go to the very DNA we have mapped the genome. We can go to the very core of who people are, the very basic structures of life itself. We have landed a man on the moon. We have sent things to Mars. We, we find precious things. There is no creature like us. Astonishing what humans can do. But you come to verse 12. See the word but? But where can wisdom be found you see the tone changes though we're able to lay the roots of mountains bare and tunnel and search and bring hidden things where can wisdom be found that's a tone shift we are now hitting the big thing and this is where he's been heading all the way along down to this big idea and in fact he'll repeat it if you've got your bibles you see in verse 20 he goes back to this exact same idea again do you get the feeling though of that verse 12 but where can wisdom be found? Given all that he's set up to this point, there's a sense in which there's a tone that's emerging here, isn't there? What's the tone that's coming out? It's going to be very hard to find wisdom. We can find extraordinary things. Um, 
And that's where he's heading. You come across to verse, to verse 13, down here, verse 13. Um, but where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. He makes two points which are going to be repeated on the way through. There are two things about wisdom that he wants to say to us, uh, that you can't, that its, that its worth is, is inestimable, but you can't find it. We need to find it, but you can't find it. That's basically what he's going to say. We need to find it. Why do we need to find it? Well, because uh, it cannot be bought with the finest gold. He repeats that idea in verse 19. It cannot be bought with pure gold. And in between those two ideas is a constant repetition. You go through the text there. You, you can't, it's, it's, you, you can't, its price uh, can't be weighed out in silver. It can't be bought with the gold of Ophir. It's more precious than onyx and so on. Gold nor crystal can't compare with it. He goes on and on. He says it again and again. Wisdom is precious now pause right there let me preach to you for a moment brothers and sisters friends you reflect on what he's saying wisdom is precious it is more precious than gold it is priceless you can't you can't buy it not only is it hard to get you can't buy it with the gold of the whole of the gold of that country can't pay for it but it's more valuable than all the gold that you could find for it. If money could buy it, then Packer, he says, ought to sell all that he has to get it. Because that's how precious wisdom is. Now, my question to you this morning, I've got a few of them, is, do you agree? Do you agree that wisdom is worth all the gold of that country? Do you think, do you believe that wisdom is more precious? You can't weigh it out with silver, it's so... Do you believe that? Do you agree that if you had the choice and money that you would spend all your money to get wisdom? Do you believe that? Would you sell everything? You know, there's a saying about money, it can't buy your happiness. You've heard that saying? And I love that quote of Spike Milligan. You know who Spike Milligan is, famous comedian of some years ago he was from our from Woi Woi do you remember he lived down there and he actually said of Woi Woi that it was the world's largest above ground cemetery (laughs) he was a a very witty man Um, times have changed for Woi Woi of course but um, (laughs) but he said of money he said of money that it can't buy happiness all I ask is a chance to prove it it's clever isn't it This man is saying wisdom is more precious than all the money you could have. All all of these things that he says through verse 15 to 19, I don't think are obvious to us. Why? Why don't we think like he thinks about wisdom? I'll give you a couple of reasons. I think it's because most of us think that we have wisdom already or enough of it. You know, very few of us uh, think we're the smartest tool in the shed. You know, we're all aware that we're not the brightest people in the world. But very, none of us think we're the dullest tool in the shed. I, I, none of us think we're a fool. I mean, hands up if you think you're a fool. 
tempted to ask whether the person sitting next to you thinks the same, but <laughs> few of us think we're fools. But do we think wisdom is more precious than gold? Why not? Because I think most of us think we've got enough of it. It's not a great lack. Now, now this matters though, because if the Bible writer is saying this, it's worth digging into it. That's my position. I want to show you why. Think with me about wisdom. Dig into wisdom for a moment. We heard it a few weeks ago. What is wisdom? I'll give you the definition again. What is wisdom? It's the ability to navigate life well. But to navigate life well, you've got to understand the context within which you navigate. Derek needs to understand this. So you need to understand where you are. What's the context that you're in to then make good decisions within that context? Let me give you an illustration. What do you do with a bottle of water? Just imagine I have a bottle of water in my hand. What do you do with a bottle of water? Well, it depends on the context. If you're in the desert, lost, no transport, no rescue, what do you do with a bottle of water? Well, wisdom is take great care of it. When you drink from it, don't let it dribble all over your face. Wisdom in the desert says a bottle of water is precious, be very careful. But if you have that same bottle of water in a different context, makes all the difference. If you have that same bottle of water in the tropics during the La Nina, what's a bottle of water? What do you do with it? What, what is wisdom? Will you use it to wash the sand off your feet? You use it to clean your toothbrush. You empty it all out and put some other stuff in it to keep it dry. You use a different decision given the context. Wisdom. Wisdom pays attention to the context. Wisdom, knowing the right context, is able to make right decisions given that context. That's what wisdom is. Now, let me play this out. Wisdom seems very underwhelming until you play it out in the larger context of life. What is the wisest thing to do with your life? What is the wisest thing to do with your whole life? Put aside the other stuff, the small stuff. What's the wisest car to get? What's the wisest way to handle a two-year-old? What's the wisest way to do your house? Put aside that stuff for a moment. But think about the big things of life. Pay attention to the whole of your life. What is wisdom with regard to who you are? And what to do with everything about who you are. The point I want to make here is that wisdom is dealing with that issue, which therefore means it is the biggest thing you can actually pay attention to. We need wisdom because we're dealing with things of such significance. My existence, my life. There is everything at stake in the issue of wisdom. Because wisdom concerns itself with the whole of who you are. Your whole existence in this 80, 90s, whatever the Lord gives you, your whole existence, what to do with it. And right at this point, we have a massive need as humans. Humans are very clever. We can mine, we can search. But who can find wisdom about the whole of life? You know, we live at a time when mining for gold is child's play. We don't think much about it. We have now got people who can tell you the secrets of the subatomic world. They can tell you about molecules and atoms and the deep recesses. We have people who can fly others to the moon, who know the technology. We, 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 can, we can tell you uh, 
what the sun is made of. We have answers about what's on Mars. We have answers about the structures of the brain, the neurons and the neurotransmitters and how the brain works. We can delve into those things and give you answers about that. Humans are extraordinary. But you know what? We still can't answer the most basic, fundamental, obvious question of life, which is, why are we here? What is life about? You notice this, this ancient prophet, and I take it it's Job, if you look at chapter 27 and 29, you'll see he was speaking in both chapters. I take it Job is talking at this point in chapter 28, in the midst of his suffering, he brings a moment of clarity, and in that context of clarity, he actually delves into the depths of what wisdom is, and for all that we can do as a society, as humans today, after 3,000 years of technological development, after all of these centuries, what he had to say back then is still true today. Wow, the Bible is still true. Do you know, I, I read the papers, I watch the odd Netflix show and I watch people on social media and I talk and listen and I keep an eye out and an ear open and what I see is constant confusion amongst people. Conflicting thoughts about life. What do you want to do with your life? Well, some people say whatever you want. What do you want to do? Whatever you want. Life is yours to do with as you please. Others say, no, 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 it doesn't matter. You can't just do whatever you want. You've got to make a difference with your life. That's what you need to do with your life. Be special. And others say, be special? We're not special. We're just animals. Here today, gone tomorrow. Do whatever you want. And back and forward it goes. Confusion and conflicting thoughts. What is life about? That's the point. Some people say there is no point. Life is just an evolutionary fluke. We are here like every other creature and will disappear and the whole universe will just fade into a heat death at some time in the future. All that we do, none of it matters. There is no meaning, there is no purpose. Some people say that. There is no point. And if that's been the message, and it has been the message in our world for the last bunch of decades, no wonder our kids are confused, isn't that right? No wonder our, the problem is our kids hear that and hear that and hear that and they start to believe it. And they're now convinced that they're just an accident and they're of no worth themselves because, after all, they're just a bundle of atoms and molecules that have been brought together as any other thing in the world and so there's, nothing, there's no point, there's no reason, there's no rhyme. Our world says we're nothing. But as you look around the place and hear all of this and the conflicting thoughts, I'm convinced that the ancient poet had it right all along. We don't know. For all our gains, all our science, all our technology, we still have not got the answers to wisdom. And so... It is impossible to live wisely. Get, get this. If you don't understand the context of our life, if you don't understand what the world is and who we are within it, whether you're in the desert or in the tropics, how do you live wisely? You can't. The fundamental piece that needs to be put in place is that context issue. 
Now, notice this too. This poet is saying all of this in the context of his own suffering, and I want to suggest to you it's in the context of suffering that the why question, the why is this happening? What's the purpose of this? What's happening in my... Why? That question becomes most prevalent, doesn't it? You know, not being able to answer that question won't stop you having a good holiday, won't stop you doing well at work. But it will sneak up on you. Late at night, after your relationships are failing, after you find yourself at the end of a day in pain and grief, that's when the question will come, why am I here? What is life about? Is it just have a good time and live for the weekends? What is life about? It's when cancer strikes, you'll ask why. It's when all the noise stops. Now follow through with me on this. Come with me now to verse 20 again. You see he gets back to it. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? And look what he says, verse 21. It is hidden from the eyes of every living creature. It is hidden. It is hidden. It is concealed even from the birds of the sky. It is hidden. Exactly. And the last 60 years of modern culture is a study in how right he is. We are living in a time where is the blind leading the blind. Friends, don't make the mistake of thinking that because we can find some answers, we must be able to find all the answers. Those two things don't follow. The truly big questions of life, not only haven't we found them through our efforts over thousands of years, the Bible says you can't. You can't find the answers to why and what by looking in, by research, by study, by looking in the universe around us. You cannot find those answers. Now, this is profound stuff, but he's saying all of this for a reason. He's saying all of this because there is an answer, and the answer is look there with me. It is hidden from the eyes of every living creature. It is concealed even from the birds of the sky. But look at this. God understands the way. He alone knows where it dwells. God knows. There is an answer. Just notice, though, it's a two-edged sword, that statement, isn't it? God knows. There is someone who knows. But he alone knows. Now, why does God know? Well, you look with me there at verse 24. Dig into this a little bit further. Because he views the ends of the earth and sees everything. That is who God is. More, the next few verses have an extraordinary bunch of ideas that I've not worked out how to quickly shape them and give them to us. But let me try and help us. Just touch on these things. Notice when you look at verse uh, 27... You'll notice a bunch of words that are used there uh, where God looks at wisdom, he appraises it, confirms it, tests it. See those words? Looked, appraised, confirmed, tested. 
Um, there are some commentators, I'm, I don't know Hebrew, but there are some commentators who say that those four words are the kind of words that you use, a jeweller uses when they appraise a jewel and then set it in its fixture on a ring. Um, and the point I think that this, these few verses are making a bunch of powerful points. I think what he is saying in this little chunk here is that God values wisdom. He loves wisdom. He is the God of wisdom, we find in the New Testament. Um, he, but notice this, when did he look at appraise, confirm and test? Have a look at verse 25. Notice the word when that's repeated there in verse 25 and 26. When he established the force of the wind, when he made a decree, verse 27, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. What, what is the writer saying at this point? He's saying that God appraised wisdom, valued wisdom, loved wisdom, set wisdom in its place when he created, when he created all things. When God put the universe in place, he treasured and loved wisdom and put it in place because he is wisdom. And all that he does is wise. These few verses here from... uh, 23 down, that chunk, it just has these um, set of firings of God loves wisdom, the preciousness of wisdom, God is wise, he is the one who has valued it and put it in place, it's embedded in creation, he is the God who alone knows wisdom because he is wisdom, powerful and wonderful truths and they'll all come back to us in a moment and then you come across to verse 28, the last verse of the chapter, And he said to the human race, he says to us something that I cannot now use my pen to do. But you don't need the pen. He said to the human race, this is the great climax of this chapter. And you know it's the climax of the chapter because if you've got your Bibles, you see that the the shape of the text changes because they're trying to give a sense that the poetry now ends. Up to verse 27, it's poetic. Then you hit verse 28 and it's just straight statements. And now at verse 28, the great end of the chapter, we have God speak. And he says, the one who alone knows wisdom, the one who loves and cherishes and values wisdom, he says to the human race, here it is, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. To shun evil is understanding. Wisdom the great gift of God to his world. Fear God and do what pleases him. There's the chapter. Here's my last question for you today. Who is not a little disappointed? Who is not a little disappointed at this point? With such a build-up, Wouldn't you have wanted it to be a little bit more profound? You mean the whole thing boils down to fear God and do what pleases Him? That's the great secret of wisdom? This is a thing that's more precious than all the wealth that you could muster? This is the thing that you ought to sell all that you have to get? This? This is the thing that's not found in the land of the living or in the depths of the sea? This is the thing that only God can reveal to us? Fear him and do what pleases him, that's it. Don't don't you feel some of that? I know you do. 
Well, let me tell you this. That is the great wisdom. But it takes wisdom to see that it is wisdom. You remember what wisdom is. It's understanding the context and making right choices in that context. Well, let me give you some contexts. Imagine the context is rock climbing. And it's you, a hundred miles up the rock cliff face, and it's just a sheer wall, and all you've got's a rope. What's wisdom in that context? Make sure you've bought the best rope you can pay for. Yeah? Do not skint on the rope. Wisdom in that context, when it all boils down, is pay attention to the thing that is the key to your life. Don't worry about the colour of your shirt. That's foolishness. Scuba diving. The context of scuba diving. What's wisdom in that context? Paying attention to your air supply. Which wetsuit you wear will make it nicer or not, but your air is the key thing. That's wisdom. Having the wisdom to know what really wisdom is, is the key. Understanding the context, our context. That is the big thing. What is our context? What are we? As humans, are we just an accident that emerges from the slime and chance random events over millions of years? Is that all we are? Or are we the purposeful creation of a wise, holy and loving God? Which is it? That is the big question of life. The context. Because the way you answer that makes all the difference. If we're an accident, then it doesn't matter what you do. If all we are is an accident, there's no rhyme or reason, no purpose behind it, there's no mind over it all. If all we are is an accident, then it doesn't matter what you do with life. Do whatever you like with life. Be a great scientist, be a really helpful activist, or be a slob watching TV all day. Be whatever you like. It doesn't matter. Because you'll die, we'll all die. But get this, if that's what we are, then you don't matter. Your kids don't matter. None of it matters. Because if there is no meaning, then there is no meaning to you and who you are. We're just like big autumn leaves that grow up, turn green, go brown and drop off and die. That's it. That's all you are. Here today, gone tomorrow. Does that fit with how you know yourself? Makes no sense. But if we are the purposeful creation of a personal God, a wise, holy and loving God, if that is who we are, then He is our rope. He's our air supply. Because as the scriptures say in Acts chapter 17, in Him we live, move and have our being. We came from Him purposefully. Do you remember what this text says? This, this is the passage that tells us that he is the one who has looked at wisdom and appraised it and confirmed it and tested it and built it into the very fabric of who we are and the existence of life. There is wisdom into our world. There is purpose and meaning. God has built it into us. He therefore is our hope because we were made by him, we live in him and one day we'll stand before him And that's all that will matter one day. You will be stripped bare 
You won't have family, you won't have friends, you won't have any of your success or your achievements. All your pleasures will have gone. It'll just be you standing before this God, the God of the universe, who made you, sustained you and will judge you. Nothing else will matter anymore. He is our rope and our heir. Wisdom, given that context, is whatever you do. Get right with this God. Whatever you do, find out how to get right with this God. Do not buy into the myth that it doesn't matter what you do, this God will just be all okay. He's happy for you to do whatever you find useful. That's what verse 28 tells you. God has said to the human race, This is what matters. Fear me. Humble yourselves before me. Entrust yourselves to the sovereign God. That is wisdom. He said it. He said it to humanity so that you know exactly what life's about. And to therefore front up before him, having ignored that when he has told you plainly and clearly his foolishness in the extreme. Do not fall into the trap of doing a deal with God. Do you know our modern deal? It goes like this. Um, I'll trust you if you answer all my questions. And God says, that can't be the deal. Because I'm God and you can't know all the answers. You can't know all that there is. There are things beyond you. There aren't answers that you can have. I'm God, you're a creature. I've given you enough to know. I've given you the answers you need to have. And more than that, In our day and age, we have the event of Jesus where God came in flesh to reveal himself to us that we might know truly who he is, what he wants of us, how to find a relationship with him. And if you've not given yourself to pay attention to Jesus, I want to urge you to do that this morning. There is where wisdom is found in Jesus. Come and get more information. It's an extraordinarily important thing. Let me apply this finally a little bit more directly. Two groups this morning. First group. If you're amongst us this morning and you're suffering, as I know many of you are, you've lost people you love, today is a day of real pain and anguish, you might have that illness that's uh, come, that you've been told that's going to take your life, can I tell you in the context of that suffering... That's the time when the why questions are most intense. And Job, the book of Job, has an answer. And you know what his answer is? You won't ever know all the answers. It's hidden from us. Only God has all the answers. There'll be, there'll be things that happen in your life that you won't ever know why. This side of glory. That's the answer. Humble yourself and recognise that's the limitation. We can search all kinds of things, but there are things beyond our comprehension. And God has not chosen to reveal the secret things. You won't ever, you will rarely ever know why this thing is happening to you. But you will know this. God is wisdom. He created with wisdom in mind. He, He has made everything for a purpose. 
He, is pre- he holds wisdom up as precious. So there will be a reason for what's happening to you. It, it is not meaningless. It's not just fate. There is a personal God who's sovereign over it all, who's working his purposes. Trust him. Fear him. Shun evil. Press on. That's the great answer Job gives. He is the one who himself, chapter 1, verse 1, embodied the fear of the Lord and shunning evil. Press on, brothers and sisters, in the midst of your suffering. Cling to him who is wisdom. Last, for dads. You know, the Bible does this thing, it boils life down to what matters most. And what matters most, dads, is not your family. That's not what matters most. For the sake of your family that you love, you need to know this. What matters most is not your family, it's your relationship with your Creator, with our God, with our Sustainer. It's the importance of bowing to Him and recognising Him for who He is. Fear, the, the, the end of the matter is this, fear God, be in right relationship with God. Through the merits and gift of Jesus, there's much more to be said. But know this God, that's what matters most. But get this, and I'll finish here. It really is an extraordinary thing that happens. When you get that contextual piece right about who we are under God, He's our rope, He's our air, He's our life. When you understand and relate to Him rightly and get back to Him through Jesus and what He's done for us, and extraordinary things happen, it'll ground you. It establishes you in the right place so that everything else starts to make sense and life starts to work and you can begin to become the person God wants you to be so that you can love your family. Be the dad you need to be, more and more, imperfectly. You can be useful in the world around us. You can become the person who is like God, loving, wise, helpful, Friends, this Father's Day, get wisdom. Become wise. The key to wisdom, the fear of the Lord. The big thing. Let me pray. Our great God, we do ask please that you would help us think on these things well. Please help us understand what you have given us understand ourselves, understand our context. Please help us find wisdom. And please, we pray that you would give us that wisdom. You, the God who alone has it, please give it to us. Give us depth of insight and understanding about our world, ourselves, you. And I pray that you would bring us each to a deep sense of reverence and awe before you that we would entrust ourselves to you, the great God who has given us life, who is wise, who is doing all things purposefully, that we might look to you as our hope. And I pray this for us all in Jesus' name. Amen.